So, this is Sage here. We recorded this on the 10th of October, on Tuesday. But, since my grandmother passed, I really needed to get to Providence, Rhode Island, and I couldn't really find a time between Wednesday the 11th and Tuesday the 17th to really edit this the way it deserves. So, some of the content is old, like, I, I said AMO was going to be a huge part of the rotation, and obviously that's not true with the information out now, but I want to thank Dustin for his patience with me, this uh, whole editing process and publishing process took a week too long, and I want to thank him for that. Um, but the show's good, and uh, thank you to everyone who listens every week. I really do appreciate you. Let's go! Come on, everybody, and let's get to pumping, cause it's real crazy time. Baby, Rip City's jumping now! Come on, everybody! All right, everybody, welcome to the 88th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage chilling in uh, Southern Oregon. Um, you know, a little sad. My uh, grandmother died two days ago, going to Providence, Rhode Island uh, in 24 hours on th- and on Thursday. So I'm a little sad, but I'm happy to be talking basketball, and the season's just right around the corner, so I'm, I'm glad to be spending some time with you before all the craziness happens. Same. I've been caught up in nothing but work, so it's been great to have this distraction when we either have a game what last night that was on te- television and then you know we're waiting one week from when you're hearing this podcast the trailblazers will be kicking off the season in phoenix uh, against the suns and sage since the the games in pre preseason have been televised the three games they said i felt like it was a good time to come together recap what's been shown of, of the team i would be very surprised if the big three plays any significant minutes over the course of the final two preseason games. I think what we've seen from the core players is what we're going to see. So I felt like it was a big enough sample size. And then we can go ahead and transition into our traditional previews of the upcoming week's games. But Sage, through four games, our Trailblazers are 3-1. and one. Easily could have been 4-0 had they not put in the fourth stringers. Um, against the Suns on October 3rd. But what are your main takeaways early on this preseason? And I know it's kind of like Summer League where you don't want to get too excited, but I'm cautiously optimistic and I'm liking my my early season prediction of the Blazers getting that four seed. But I want to know your take. What have you seen so far this preseason? I think Anthony Morrow is going to make the team, obviously, but I think he's going to play a bigger role than any of us really expect Because when Dame and CJ are off the floor, the spacing becomes real, real bad. Real suspect. And even if we stagger our two guards so an elite guy plays 48 minutes, it'd be nice to have Anthony Morrow just to space the floor. You you see what he does when he gets on the floor. He attracts a player so there's more spacing. I remember in the Suns game when it was Evan Turner and Pat Connaughton and... I think Amidu, Myers, and someone else, there was no space. Everyone was just 
in the middle of the paint. So if we tried to do something, there was literally no room for us to go to the hoop, and there was no shooter to like make the defense think, I can't leave this guy open. So I, I, I think Amo's going to have a bigger role, and for how much we're paying him, that's just a humongous bargain. So you think he's signed, sealed, and delivered his spot on the roster? I mean, just with his shooting ability, man. You saw the, the second game of the preseason, how he can just get on a hot streak and hit four out of five threes, and, you know, Dame was looking for him in transition. I've, I I don't remember seeing Dame look for a guy in transition and then him actually pulling up and shooting and hitting. It, it just doesn't happen. There's a lot of hesitation in Blazers basketball that I've seen. But with this guy, it's like, boom, I'm, I'm shooting this. I'm confident. I've done this before. And I, I think he's going to be a very big contributor. Not like, you know, a starter, but a, a pretty important rotation player just based on spacing alone. Any reason why he has not played more than 10 minutes in any preseason game so far, he was even a, a DNP against the Clippers. He played five, or excuse me, he was a DNP, excuse me, against uh, the Kings in our last preseason game. He played five minutes against the Clippers, eight minutes against Toronto. That game you referenced when he had the 12 points, uh, the four out of five from, from downtown, and then he played five minutes in the preseason opener against the Suns. Do you think Neil and Terry already know what they have and they might not necessarily want to showcase uh, off a new weapon and they want to utilize the preseason minutes to see what guys like Pat Connaughton, Jake Lehman, exactly. Isaiah Briscoe, Archie Goodwin, et cetera, et cetera, can do? Yeah, I mean, you've seen it. He, he put he put up numbers with the Warriors. He put up numbers with New Orleans. He's He put up numbers with the Thunder for a year. We know what we got with Amo. He's going to hit threes. He's extremely confident in a shot. There's no need to play him big minutes when he's been in the league eight, nine years. You know what he is. He's a he's a shooter. And uh, all those young guys, you know, you'd love to see... Like, if Jake Lehman turns into something, that's just another feather in the cap. You don't really need to give Amo those minutes when there's people that need to prove that they can do something. Do you expect Anthony Morrow to be a consistent member of the Trailblazers rotation? Or yes. Will he, you, you think he's a part yeah. of the nine-man rotation? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Who's in your nine-man rotation? I expect that the guard rotation's going to be Damon CJ to start out the game with Mo, Mo Harkless, and then whenever one of the elite guards gets tired, you put Amo and Shabazz in, and then the, that elite guard. Oh, and then... So there's five. Or who's your other four? Evan... Oh, shit. Evan Turner. Um, Chief. Mo. You already said Mo. Oh, I did? All right. Uh, so you've already listed off seven guys and you haven't got to one power forward or center. And I'm only saying this because this Blazer team has a lot of spots and not many teams in the NBA go 10 man rotations unless it's on the second night of a back to back, which the NBA has done a pretty good job this year of reducing for teams. So I don't think he has got a, a guaranteed spot in the rotation. I'll go as far as saying I don't think guys like Ed Davis have guaranteed spots in the rotation either. Same with Shabazz Napier. I think it's going to be a game-by-game 
scenario where if the regular rotation guys off the bench aren't getting it done or if they see a matchup that they want to exploit, they will bring those guys in there. And it's going to be on those players who are going to have herky-jerky minutes to really find an internal rhythm, almost like a pinch hitter in baseball, to come off the bench ready to lock and load and just go. Um, We saw a few years ago with Stotts when he did it with Thomas Robinson, Joel Freeland, and Myers Leonard, and it didn't work. Those guys could not play in and out like that. Uh, They needed the consistent playing time. Unfortunately, there's a lot more, I think, depth on this Blazer roster than there was in the 2013-2014 Blazers uh, squad when it was really just the, the starting five. Mm. And maybe you would get the sixth man from from Aaron Aflalo. So it's going to be whatever player can just come in and almost be like, you know, the microwave instant offense. Well, I mean, I agree with your point, but just just imagine our bench with CJ and then a lot of non-shooters. I just think with Anthony Morrow on the court, it just makes the spacing a lot easier for us to do what we need to do. So you keep saying a lot of non-shooters, but I think you're forgetting our bigs can shoot the ball. Zach Collins has shown a nice stroke. Caleb Swanigan has shown that he can hit it, and he actually is shooting it pretty quickly as well. A guy I'm coming around to, I don't think he's the answer, but he's performed better than I thought, is Pat Connaughton. He has shot 5 of 12 from 3, um, this preseason, and I noticed against Sacramento, his shot looks more compact. Mm, yeah, you looks, said that on Twitter. It looks really quick, and it looks smooth. Now, I don't think he's going to be a knockdown shooter like Anthony Morrow or Alan Crabb, but when you put Connaughton and Shabazz and Anthony Morrow, and you look at their, their numbers and you add them up at the end of the year, that's going to replace Alan Crabb's production and then some. Uh, so I, I think Portland has a lot of options here and it's going to be interesting to see what Terry Stotts does. I think, you know, we've all said this since the, the off season, not only does Portland have that 12 million, uh, trade exception, they have a lot of players tier three, tier four that they should try to consolidate. We've been calling for a consolidation trade for some time. Um, we already know we have one, maybe two, too many bigs. Uh, we probably could use just one good backup shooter. And is that moral? I don't know. I hope so. But it, from my observations this preseason, we're deep, which is great. But I would take one guy who's consistent. And I'm just going to throw a type of player out there like Lou Williams. You know you're going to get 15 points a game off the bench from Lou Williams than trying to get that from three to four guys. Mm. I just don't. I, I mean, I I see that Pat Connaughton did well in the Kings game, but if you're a defender, I think the respect for a guy who's done it for numerous years makes you think I can't leave him. Which I mean, he might not shoot as much, but it's like that respect you can't let him get open. So that I, I think his gravitational pull on on offense is going to be more valuable to the team than you know. Pat Connaughton or whoever. Oh, I'm not arguing that. I think that's a completely valid point. I was just saying that if they're going to leave Connaughton open, he's shown that he's going to knock him down. And then if he does prove that, then he has that same gravitational pull that you're talking about with with Morrow. It's going to be interesting to see what Stotts does. But outside of the backups and maybe fighting for that 15th spot, 
what else has has really stood out to you? Because I think there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Trailblazer fan over the course of you know the preseason so far. I think that our rookie bigs have developed some nice continuity with each other. It seems like they really enjoy playing with one another. Like you see the post entry passes, the the post to post passes in the post. It's it's it seems like they have grinded together and developed some go-to things that they like to do on offense. I know one of your big concerns about Caleb Swanigan when we drafted him was his defense. What have you seen so far that has either reinforced those beliefs or made you take a step back and say, this could work? I, I mean, I haven't seen it against real NBA opponents, but there's still some things I see that like in transition, he'll forget to go onto the shooters and stuff like that. But it hasn't been like disgustingly bad defense, but there's still some things that I see when I watch him play in certain scenarios where it's like, all right, that's the guy I saw in Purdue that, you know, I don't think is athletic enough to play the position, but he does some good things on offense, but it's a, it's a wait to be seen to give him like a, will he be a successful player type of thing. I think he'll be a successful player on the offensive end of the floor. I don't think that's any, I don't think there's any uh, doubt in my mind. Uh, he is a ferocious rebounder. Uh, he is not shy about shooting the basketball, which is great for a young player, uh, especially one who, who's fighting for minutes. And the passing, you know, we saw this at Purdue. We saw it in Summer League. He is going to be a valuable asset out in the perimeter not only with his shooting, but he can find cutters. So all it takes is Terry Stotts' offense to just move without the basketball, get that ball movement, player movement going. But the player who I have been extremely impressed with, probably more so than anyone, has been Zach Collins. And I was very indecisive about that pick. I, I said, I remember on the podcast, my heart says... He's going to be a bust, but my head says, trust Neil. And we knew he was going to be a a good weak side shot blocker and and a good defender. And and we've seen that. But he has gotten more and more comfortable on the offensive end and is looking to shoot when the ball is passed to him. Uh, You could just even see that progression starting from the first preseason game against Phoenix up until that last game against Sacramento. Against Phoenix, he was like, what the hell is this? This foreign object in my hands. Get it away from me. And then you see him in Sacramento doing mini dream shakes against Willie Cauley-Stein. Um, he has shot the ball extremely well. And that's something that he was touted as coming out of Gonzaga. Yes, preseason, small sample size. You can talk about who he's going up against. But 12 of 21 from the field for a, a seven-footer. And his footwork has looked extremely nimble. Um, very, very impressed with his footwork. And that's the biggest key, I think, for a big man. You look at Nurk. He's huge, but he's so light on his feet, and that's what you want to see. So I'm super intrigued about Zach Collins, especially playing him alongside Nurk. He has the length, and he has the quickness to play up against some of those fours, and the Blazers really haven't had a a defensive tandem down low since that that 2000 team when they had Sabonis and they had Sheed and Brian Grant and Jermaine O'Neal and so on. So that's something I think to look forward to towards the end of the, the middle to the end of the season. I don't think you're going to get to see Zach Collins play huge minutes right off the bat. But if anything that we have seen so far, his learning curve is pretty quick and he could surprise a lot of people and, and possibly 
you know, beat out guys like Noah or Ed Davis um, or even Caleb for, for some of those four minutes. Though that first game against Phoenix, I was loving Ed Davis because I've been preaching about offensive rebounds, offensive rebounds. And the first things he did was get those boards and was hustling for it. And it's like that him being active was a huge component of, of us being a top five rebounding team uh, the year we surprised everybody. And him being injured probably was a r- huge reason we didn't go after boards for the first part of the year last year. So seeing him healthy, finishing with either hand, makes me happy. And I don't think he'll give up his spot too easily, which competition's good. Oh, competition is the key to success. It makes you stay urgent, makes you stay on your feet, makes you stay hungry, knowing that somebody's right behind your back, ready to take your spot, you know, at the in, in the bat of an eye. But my thing about Ed Davis and even Noah Vonley, who I have been a huge, huge fan of on the show is Noah is going to be a restricted free agent. Ed is an unrestricted free agent. You already have Al Camino who can play the four and who, who could likely start at the four while Noah's out. Yes, I love what Ed Davis brings to the table. He is a fantastic offensive rebounder and finisher, and he's been really strong at the foul line in the preseason so far. But it's quite obvious to me that we just have one too many bigs, and if these rookies keep progressing you got to give them the time. Now, do you think that... I think Ed Davis is going to be a huge part of the offense, or a a huge part of the rotation in the beginning of the season. I could see one of the rookies taking some of his time. But early on, Ed Davis is is our third big. I'm not so sure. Oh, man. I I mean, I I guess I just am falling in love with the offensive rebounding, because I... But I, I think he's he's gonna be the, the the energy garbage man in the second unit. And you could be a hundred percent right. I I just think that Caleb is also a strong offensive rebounder. He is he hangs his hat on his rebounding ability. So Ed is not going to give up his spot. But I think talent overall talent is going to win out down the road. So you're right. Ed's going to get the minutes up front. But if Caleb and Zach keep pushing, I think they're going to break down that door sooner than probably a lot of fans would have thought come draft night. Maybe. I mean, he could be a guy that the Blazers trade away in the at the deadline or something for a for a, a pick or something. But I to help like a championship level team. But for right now, I think Ed Davis is 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 going to be that third big off the bench. Or the third guy off the bench. But then where does... So if you're taking Collins and Swanigan out of the rotation a little bit to give minutes to Ed, one, who who's playing backup five? And then two, where are you getting your points off the bench? That's what I loved about... See, I don't want Swanigan starting because I think he provides too much of an offensive threat, especially off the bench, and he's better going at second-string guys than starters. I think we... Uh, would rather see Caleb do work against, um, you know, Kenneth Fareed than whoever the Nuggets are rolling out at at the starting forward. Just for, for example, so it's like who, who's we've always 
probably since the 2000 Blazers. Where is the scoring coming from off the bench? That's just been a big Blazer bugaboo for the past, you know, 15, 16 years. And again, I love it. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. We just need offense off the bench. I'm I'm honestly assuming that at least for the first part of the year, our rookies don't really see the floor. I mean, other than Damian Lillard, there really isn't a rookie that was part of that rotation. So, I, I at least for this part, it's just meh. they look good now, but I don't think they'll get that chance until you know mid part of the season. Just I think they should get that chance though. Yeah, I mean should, but you know when games matter, you're gonna revert to what got you there, right? And Terry doesn't really fuck with playing rookies that often. Unless they're transcendent. Well, nobody's saying Caleb and Zach are or what Damian Lillard was in 2012, and we're not really clamoring for them to get 20 FGAs in, you know, 35 minutes a night. But I, I think there is rotation minutes for them now and probably more in the future. If So if you ask me right now who's the backup five, I would say I would play Zach Collins at the five. We, we don't have... Um, a bruiser at that position, but Myers Leonard should not see the floor. Ed Davis, I, I like him more at the four. Um, Collins has a little more length, and he can spread the floor a little more. So I, you know, I, I like Zach at the five, and then I think it's going to come down to Noah, Caleb, and and Ed at the four. So you've got five guys at, at your four and five, and that's not even including Aminu, who can play the the four as well. So. There, that's just a massive logjam that's going to be – that's probably my biggest storyline going into the year is how does Stotts work around that? How does Neil help shape that roster? Because don't forget, Noah Vonley looked amazing playing alongside a healthy Nurkic. He is the best defender of the bunch and is would just be coming off of his senior year in college. Mm-hmm. So don't sleep on Vonley just because everyone's fell in love with Caleb and is starting to come around on Zach it's almost going to be like Ed Davis. Like we kind of forgot about him now he's playing really well. So don't sleep on Noah. I think he is still, I I think he still is the best bet starting, starting next to Nurk, but who knows when he's going to return. And when he does come back, he, he has to be able to shoot the basketball. How many games is, how many weeks is he out? I think he's out the first two weeks of the season. So that's like eight games. Something like that. So, it sucks to have players injured for the start of the season. I would be fine if Noah Vonley was out eight games as, like, as the season goes on, but to start out with an injured starter starting out kind of sucks. I mean, I'm going through it with New Orleans, but, you know, this is the time when you teams need to be developing that continuity with one another and to have a potential starter not be part of it. It's, it's a rough way to start the year. And you look at it, if you're Noah Vonley, it's an extremely unfortunate position to be in because, one, you have that logjam. Two, you've got young guys at your position who are performing extremely well. And three, the beginning of the season is so vital for the Trailblazers. They've been talking about hot start, hot start, hot start. It's almost like when the starting quarterback gets hurt and the backup comes in and lights the world on fire. 
well, what do you do as a coach? Do you stick with the hot hand or do you go with the guy that's got you there? And I'm not saying Noah has got us to any position in, in Portland, but he's played the most games uh, as a starter of the people we're talking about. He thrives alongside Nurkic. We have a good sample size there, but if the team starts off hot, I fear that he's not going to really get a chance to break through that rotation. I mean, this basically just leads us to a question. The homeboy stupendous asked me earlier today, who do you think is the starting power forward and small forward for this team to start up the season? Small forward, I think is pretty obvious. It has to be a more heartless. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. He was so active in that game against Toronto. Shout out to Stu for the the 100 level seats to that game I took my dad to. Um, Mo was everywhere with his hands, and that's what he has to be for this team. We don't need him to score 20 a night. We don't need him to score to shoot 10 shots a night. We need he has, I would say maybe outside of Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic, the biggest defensive potential on the roster especially of any guy 6'9 or under. We need him to be that 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 havoc wreaker just all over the place. He's trapping, he's double, doubling from the backside, he's, he's coming in at all angles, and do that same kind of chaos on offense where he's cutting without the ball because he's not going to get a lot of plays ran for him. He's most likely going to be you know in the corner, but when we saw him two years ago break out after the trade from Orlando, especially in that playoff series against the Clippers, he was really collapsing, and he was crashing the glass, getting tip dunks, uh, cutting to the hoop, getting you know easy buckets in the paint. That's what we need from Mo. So I think he's the the, the hands down choice to start at the three. I like if we're going to play Evan Turner, he needs to be the ball handler off the bench in the role that they they, they seemed hell bent on trying to to make work. So Et off the bench, Mo starting. Um, who do you think should start at the four, Sage? I think it's going to be Chief. I mean, he's the vet of the, the of the team. We've seen that he he's a very good defender, a very good rebounder. He's not shy of, <laughs> about shooting. It doesn't always go in. It actually, you know, he is who we thought he was from three, but at least he's, you know, a capable defender and a good rebounder. So what I like about starting Aminu is that he's the fifth option on offense. Mm -hmm. Whenever he's on the floor, he should always be the fourth or fifth option on offense. Really never should be handling the ball. Um, he needs he needs to be a catch-and-shoot guy, a cutter, on the, on the break, finishing strong. That's his game, defense, rebounding, etc. If Von Lee was healthy, I would say Noah. I'm going to throw... I'm going to throw a little bit of a wrench. So I do think it'll be Aminu as well. I think Terry wants to go with Aminu and Harkless. The guy I would start is Zach Collins. And I say Collins because he and Nurk give you quick quickness and length at the four and five. Collins would not feel any burden whatsoever to try and score with that unit. He could focus on defensive defense and rebounding and cutting. And he would, and cutting like he would just pick up those garbage points you bring caleb off the bench to provide the offense ed davis to get the rebounds and you just kind of play to each player's so does that mean strength. chief plays three or does isn't in the rotation i would play chief at the three i mean you have evan turner at the point let's say dame or cj at the two mm. as a as a backup unit you know evan turner so, i mean at the three etc so this kind of leads me to a thing do we stagger our two guards 
the entire game, so one's on the court at all times, or do you think that a lineup without one of the elite guards could keep us in a game or like not lose us a bunch of ground? It's completely matchup dependent. So if you were to tell me we're playing Oklahoma City on opening night, no, you have to have one of those two guys on the floor at all times. So when you're playing an elite team, they always have to be on the floor. If you go east, maybe if you play a team like Phoenix, you should be able to get away with not having either one on the court. And I think, one, it's a good test to see who's ready to pick up the offensive burden. And two, I think it's just unrealistic to expect one of those two to be on the floor every single minute of all 82 games. They're going to have to sink or swim without their their life preservers, and those life preservers are Dame and CJ. They're going to have to try and swim on their own for at least a few minutes, a, a quarter here hmm. or there. How would you feel if – what about one of the big three in at all times when games are actually legit? Like would you want one of the, our big three in at all times? Or are you cool with none of them? At, I mean I know this is a difficult question, but like – don't you feel safe? Don't you feel like one of our big three has to be in at all times? Yes. Yeah. But again, I like Nurkic when he's with Dame or CJ because they are the most experienced and they have their, their they have the best skill set at getting him the ball. Mm-hmm. I would love to see maybe Shabazz because Shabazz is a pass first guy, but I mean, is Turner going to be able to get in the ball? No. Is Connaughton going to be able to get in the ball? Aminu, I mean, maybe if Swanigan and Nurk were down there together, I could do that because Nurk needs somebody to get him the ball. That's what all great big men do. They can't bring the ball up the yeah. court. They can't post themselves up. So it just really depends on who's the, the guard or the decision maker on the floor with Nurk. I think if it's Shabazz, I feel fine. And you know how hyped he would be if we told him, hey, Nurk, for the last four minutes – or the first four, uh, four minutes of the second quarter, it's all you. We're going to have Shabazz give you the ball. Just go absolutely crazy on this opposing big. I think he would shine in that role. Just be hyper-aggressive. Do your thing. And then, you know, when one of our big, uh, guards comes in, you chill a little, but for the first few minutes of the second quarter or the fourth quarter whatever you know the opposing team has bench bums in Dirk just go crazy on them no I, I love that strategy and I like that it's only for a few minutes because I like when you have one of Dame or CJ and you have Nurk because it really provides that inside out threat so mm. if my, my fear is if you take Nurkic out of the game and you keep Damon CJ in there, it's just going to be like last year or the year before where there's absolutely no post presence and teams can just collapse on on our two guards. Mm-hmm. But at least if the two guards are in at the same time, you can't really focus all of your defensive assets on one because you have to respect the other. But I, I would be interested to see what, what would a lineup of like the Spacers, Shabazz, and Nurk would do. Because I think against certain teams... That's just a humongous advantage for us. Before we move away from preseason, anything else that you noticed while watching the games? Teams don't respect Myers Leonard. <laughs> but, I mean, that, not, nothing outrageous that I didn't know beforehand. No. What about you? 
I would say I think Isaiah Briscoe is an NBA player and Portland needs to find a way to get him and Anthony Morrow on the roster. Uh, I'm not certain if that's a two-way contract. Uh, We haven't seen anything from C.J. Wilcox, but Briscoe is a guy who I think you can almost treat like in baseball as a a prospect and put Mm. him through your farm system because he came out after two years at Kentucky. The game just feels like it comes slow to him when the game was really getting away from us against Phoenix. He brought it back as much as he could. He provided a calming presence over the younger players, and he he needs to work on a shot. There's no doubt about that, but he's got a nice handle. He's got a nice build for the point guard position, and he's someone who impressed me more than really. I didn't have many expectations for for him when I heard about Mm. the signing, but he has exceeded them. So really interested to see if he makes the roster in any form or capacity. Um and kind of the same thing with Archie Goodwin. I mean, he he can't, again, can't shoot, but he he's bouncy. And he reminds me of Will Barton, in, in a sense. And he does have NBA experience. So I don't think you just keep Jake Lehman just because Jake Lehman's been on the roster. I mean, up until the last game, Lehman has been horrible mm-hmm. and inconsistent with his jumper. So, you know, I don't think his job is necessarily, you know, secured. Um, but aside from everything else, I think, Everyone's looked great. Damon, CJ, uh, Nurk. Nurk looks great at, at his weight. I would say the biggest roller coaster, the biggest question, game in and game out, was going to be Evan Turner. Can he keep High control? variance. Yes. Can he keep the ball in his hands? Is he making turnovers? I mean, we saw so many unforced errors out of Turner last year with his flashy passing. Um, can he hit the jump shot? I'm not talking about the three-point shot. Can he hit mid-range shots? He seems to get amazing looks every game, but his shot is so flat that it, it does have that high variance. You never know if it's going to go in or not. So I think he is going to be – I mean, you could say Evan Turner X-Factor every single game, 82 games, and you would not be wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you, – you, 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 you know what games he's going to do well in. It's when he can abuse some small guard in the post and take – take his shots and then he gets his confidence going but i don't know those that first game for sure his handle looks so much looser than it did any other time i could remember and i know that he's dribbled his the ball off his feet in transition ran into people in transition so i mean it's not the most smooth dribbling but it looked really loose that game before we go into our season preview, kicking off the first three games of the year. Sage, let's take uh, a few fan questions. You mentioned we we already answered the one from our guy Stu. Um, PDX Jay Johnson had the same question, who should we start at power forward? We touched on that. Uh, we both would start Von Ley if he was healthy. We both think it will be Chief. I, however, would go with Zach Collins. Um Kim Thrasher, one of the OG listeners, says more of a comment, but with the look of this team already, my prediction is more than 48 wins. Healthy in shape and nerk is the difference. I had the Blazers at four on our preseason podcast. Where did you have them, Sage? Was it six? Six-ish, yeah. Has the preseason changed that at all? No. It's all about health. If we can stay healthy, I think we'll be a playoff team. If not, I mean, with with the injuries to uh, Utah, I think that that just improved all our chances because I think Utah has the thinnest uh, room for margin out of all of those teams fighting for the playoffs now. So I'm feeling better, but it's all about health. 
If if our big three plays 72 games, I feel great about it. If not, I don't know. It should be interesting. Brandon Goldner wants to know, over, under on Zach Collins averaging 14 minutes per game this year. Uh, go under because I don't think he plays for the first part of the year. He might later, but, you know, minutes are hard to, you know, at, you know, if you average 14, you're part of the rotation the whole year. I don't think he's part of the rotation the whole year. I have a yeah. question for you, too. Well, hold on. Oh, okay. I think it's <laughs> – I would go under, but slightly. I think he's probably looking at more of 12 per 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 game this year. If, if, if we take out the DNPs and stuff like that earlier in the year, he might. Well, if, he, but... if he doesn't play, though, that, that game doesn't count. Like now if he gets oh, in for checks in for 30 seconds, that goes against his average. But if he DNPs oh, – All right. Uh, I still think under, but – Okay. Uh, I got a question. Yes. Don't think of offense, but what is our best defensive lineup? You put our five best defensive players in. Who are they? And I can't think of offense at all? Just What is the best defensive lineup? Nurkic at the five. Vonley at the four. Aminu at the three. Turner at the two. Dame at the one. And do you think that would be an average defensive team? If uh, you know, would that be an def- average defensive lineup? I think it'd be above average defensive lineup. Okay, but we—I mean, we had to really specialize on defense, not offense. Well, I was really trying hard not to factor in offense, but yeah, you have yeah. to put in. You yeah, have to I put mean, in lower. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that—that's the thing. I—I I think the I know that people are talking about we should be like the bad boys and be. Real defensive oriented, but I, I think with the roster that we have and you know the not good defenders that we happen to have, I would really try and outscore everybody because I don't trust our defense. I'd be, I'd be fighting for those rebounds. I'd be doing all these things because I, I don't really trust that our defense could stop like a average or good offense. I think the defense will be better. I think we'll be a middle-of-the-road defense. So, like, the 17th-ranked defense? I was thinking 14th. Oh, better than average. All yeah, right. I think 14 to 17, I, I would not surprise me to see. I think the team played so much better with Nurkic. We saw Harkless play better defense. We saw Von Ley play better defense. It makes life so much easier for the guards when he's down there. Um, and even the, it feels like the guys we brought back. It feels like Ed Davis is, is a new addition. You know, Zach Collins plays, plays really strong defense. Evan Turner needs to pick up his defensive prowess because we know he has that in him. He came mm. from from Boston in that Brad Stevens system. Yeah, the um, Darren Ehrman, Ron Adams st- system. Aminu is still one of the better perimeter defenders in the game. This team is deep. There is no excuse not to play maximum effort on defense, you know, to worry about, you know, not giving 100% on offense. So the team is deep. They just need it, – it's a will. Like defense is a lot of intelligence – but a lot of it is just having a will saying, I want to stop the motherfucker in front of me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a pride. Like, they will not get by me. And I think once the team buys into that, and obviously I don't want them playing that hard in the preseason on the defensive end. But Absolutely. But if we see these first three games and then the next 10 out of 11 come at home, whatever our record is, if you say we're 11 and 3 or you say we're 3 and 11, I'll I'll say, you know, what does the defense look, look mm. like? And you can point to the record and you can say, "Oh, our defense was amazing. 
or defense was absolute dog shit. Mm. Too many teams are good right now in the league at scoring. You know, everyone can shoot the fucking three. It's going to be, can you stop the other team just enough? Mm. Like teams are so good. You're not going to be able to just completely lock them down. There's a couple teams you might be able to, but for the most part, players are so skilled now and teams are getting so deep that you just need to be able to string together five, six stops in a row. Um, get that clutch turnover. Um, just play smarter than the opposition. So it's just playing, um, having a will to play defense, but also playing it for the full 48 and not having any lapses. And I think that's where you're going to see this team either struggle or succeed. Uh, last year when they played the lineup of of McCollum and Crabb and Turner, the lead went to shit or mm. we just went into a major deficit. Can Portland not get into those lapses? Can they they minimize those? If they have a losing streak, can they keep it to a, you know, can they lose instead of five out of eight, make it three out of eight or yeah, a four yeah. out of eight? Like just try to minimize your losses as much as possible. I, I mean, I respect everything he said. I just think they'd be a bottom third team in defense. I mean, I you know, it, it was tough for you to get that all defensive team in that you know could be average so i mean i feel like you you would struggle to find that on any team though i mean boston celtics what's their defensive team because i think they've lost a lot of defense oh they definitely have uh wouldn't it be marcus no uh terry rozier marcus smart uh the bad jalen brown the bad Morris and then Horford. I mean, that's that's a terrible. That's not a great defensive team either. I mean, and that's a team yeah. that's that's fighting for you know home court advantage in the Eastern Conference. I mean, again, you look at Toronto. I, I'm not stoked on their best defensive roster either. So I, I think, obviously, you've got teams like San Antonio and, and Cleveland and now Oklahoma City and Golden State that are fantastic two way teams, and they can. That's why, but that's why they're elite. I mean, uh, I, I think we got to wait to see on Oklahoma City if they, they, they're part of that defensive. De- defensively, outside of Melo, they should be locking shit down. That that should be their calling card. When you've got Russ, Robertson, Paul George, and Steven Adams. Yeah, but it it takes time for you teams to like develop that. Oh, I mean, absolutely, just just absolutely. think about the Spurs. Like one of my favorite things defend like in basketball is to see the spurs close out on defenders when the when the other team starts passing because they know what they're doing it's going to take time for oklahoma city to get to that level years probably oh well yeah nobody's um going to get to the spurs level especially in a year but if we're talking about strictly best defensive lineups that's should be one of the better ones. Russ should not feel the burden to have to get a triple double every night. He is athletic enough to be a good defender. Yeah, but man, I haven't, I haven't seen it in a long time. Exactly. But if, if they're serious about contending, he is going to have to be a good defender. And all I'm saying is he has the tools. To oh, do absolutely. So. I just think it's the focus because he was letting point guards get biz. Like a, a, a thing with daily fantasy is you play Russ. But then you play his matchup because he's not going to guard his matchup. But um, that's a lot of talk about teams that aren't the Trailblazers. Hey, we, we rep the NBA as well. I mean, we need to uh, look at our competition, uh, especially when we do this 88 times, which is the Nick Nick Batum episode. Uh, uh, is, that a, is this the Jerry Rice edition as well? No, Jerry Rice is number 80. Damn it! 
Ah, shit. I don't also, know. If... I, I don't know how much I fuck with Jerry Rice anymore post post playing, but that's for another time, uh, another podcast. I don't care about the Niners. I'm sorry, but I thought it but, was the Jerry Rice edition. Bef- we are going to discuss the next three games to start the season. However, there's a couple things NBA preseason that I wanted to touch on. The first being Joel Embiid getting a, a what was it, a five-year, $148 million max contract extension. What do you do if you're in Philadelphia's situation? And I know it's a no-win situation for them. I, I, I'd probably give them a con. I, isn't there a lot of goals he has to achieve to get all of this money? But either way, that's still a five-year contract. You oh, got yeah, to- they're locked in. He, They better hope he stays healthy. Because that, that's a lot of money for a dude that potentially plays 20 games a year. Let's say just $100 million of that is guaranteed. That's still $20 million a year. Yeah, that's... That's a... Shit, who's a $20 million player now? Like, that's a Dano... That's a Gallo type of contract, even if he's guaranteed. Gary Harris have yeah. a contract now. Yeah. I personally would have waited. I, Blazer fans should be gun shy when it comes to Biggs with with injury issues, and he was out his first two years. He came back like gangbusters. His per thirty six numbers were incredible for thirty one games, but then he got hurt again. Didn't it? Wasn't it against us? It, no, no, no. He got hurt. I think a game or two before, and then he reaggravated it against us. Because I remember him like going for a dunk and then just falling, and I'm like, yep. oh, shit. Yeah. And, yeah, he got back up, and he played, and then he got hurt again, and they're like, no, 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 we're taking you back to the locker room. Man. Dude, so, I know you don't play 2K anymore, but Joel Embiid's an asshole in the story mode. It, yo, <laughs> whoever wrote his lines is a real dickhead, because like, he just has this... He he calls you trash in his accent, and it's hilarious to me. I would, I I just wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's risky, but I would not. I would make him prove it, and then you have him as a restricted free agent. If somebody wants to max him, then you have the decision to to match or to not. But I would rather have a larger sample size. I was burned multiple times by thinking Greg Oden was gonna come back better than ever. He showed you know so much flashes of brilliance. Some bodies just aren't made to hoop. And I'm, at that level, and, you know... For his sake, I hope his is. I just wouldn't bet on it. Mm-hmm. One other thing. Dante Exum, was it a shoulder? Yeah. Yeah, it was a shoulder. But likely out for the year. The second time in his young career that he has missed an entire season. They already have a new point guard in Ricky Rubio. They obviously lost Gordon Hayward uh, to the Celtics. George Hill. Dia- Boris Diaw went to um, overseas. George Hill went to the Kings. A lot of new faces in Utah, and I did pick them as the eighth seed because I thought they'd play with a chip on their shoulders. And even though I, I was never super high on Exum, it's another player they're going to be without. And mm-hmm. not only another player they're going to be without, I don't think he's – I think the door is finally closed on Exum ever living up to any hype of being a top three pick in the draft. Absolutely. I mean he- – the the question with him was, is his athleticism going to be good after all those knee injuries? And then the shoulder injury happens, and it's just like, man, you are a risky proposition in uh, for a a contract because 
it's coming up for his second contract. He's like a restricted in this year or next. Who I'm, I'm trying to look at my phone, but who is their backup point guard? Because Ricky Rubio isn't healthy all the time. Was it Shelvin Mack? No, he's gone, man. Because that that one injury to the point guard, and it's rando big. It's just a random point guard. I mean, that's why they have the thinnest margin for all of those teams fighting for the playoffs. One injury to the center or the point guard, and they're losing every game they play. I'm, I I know their home court is good, but how are they getting to the offense? Looks like Nate Walters. Oh, um, replaceable point guard. Raul Neto. Oh, yeah, that, that's not good for... you. That, Utah fans better hope that uh, Ricky Rubio plays 82. Because it, it, it's brutal. I, I mean, could you imagine Nate Walters being your starting point guard? At that point, I think you probably just put Joe Johnson as your starter. <laughs> just have ISO Joe be the point guard? Just ISO Joe. Just just the slowest pace in the NBA because ISO ain't, ain't running down court. Anything else preseason that has caught your attention? No, I, you know, I, I don't really take preseason that seriously. Shout out to Gary Harris for getting paid. Another asinine contract. That that no. I think he's good. He's but. not twenty one million dollars good, and I, not even in the state of today's current NBA. That's another thing. I saw an article on ESPN. Oh, that, that says, bullshit where they said that the Nuggets are going to be the next great team in the NBA. Get the fuck out of here. I wholeheartedly disagree. I outside of, of Jokic, there's not one guy in the roster. I'm like, oh my god, like we gotta pick him up, or I would love to have him on my team. I mean, Millsap, but maybe. Yeah, I mean, they they make their offense work without a point guard because their wings cut well. But the, they, the they Warriors, don't have a point, they don't man, have a point guard. The now. Warriors have like the best point guard in the this this generation of players, and I don't know where would you rank Emmanuel Mudiay in the list of point guards, like fortieth. Oh, man, you're more kind than I was gonna say, not top fifty. Yeah, like, would you rather have Corey Joseph or oh Corey all day? Yeah, yeah I mean. And he's going to be a backup in Indiana. Or Darren Collison is going to be a backup in Indiana. I mean, they don't really have that guy to run your offense. I mean, a big can only do so much to to initiate the offense. Sooner or later, you need a guard to pass it and start running a, a good offense. And it's surprising that without a point guard, they were a top defense, but or a top offense with Jokic, but... Teams have another year to scout out what they're doing. So it's not going to be as easy as it was last year. And also, don't compare them to the Warriors when the Nuggets don't play a lick of defense. None. And then the Warriors have Ron Adams as their defensive uh, coordinator. They had Darren Ehrman and Mike Malone. Like That is some really <laughs> smart players. I know Mike Malone is on their the, the head coach, but you know what? They they don't have players to run his defensive schemes. Wait, oh, what do you mean? They don't have a Draymond, Andrew Bogut, Igadala, Clay Thompson. They don't have none of those guys. No, they don't. Oh, okay. I mean, so I, I mean Wilson Chandler's eh. Gary Harris got abused last year because he played against every good player. 
I mean, who that 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 article was bullshit. I didn't read it, but I saw the, the title. And I was like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm cool. I, I'm good, homie. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin Sage here for the 2017-2018 season preview. It has finally arrived, Sage. We are back. The Blazers are back. The season kicks off Wednesday, October 18th in Phoenix. We are here to break down the first three games of the year, the first road trip of the year for the Portland Trailblazers. It starts off Wednesday in Phoenix. Friday in Indiana, and Saturday, a back-to-back in Milwaukee before Rip City heads home to take on your Pelicans on the 24th. First up, the Suns. It is a little interesting that we will play them twice in the preseason and then Mm -hmm. the first game of the regular season. Portland already showed their dominance in that first, I would say, through three quarters of the preseason opener. Likely will sit a slew of starters uh, tomorrow night in Phoenix. No reason to play any of them. Terry Stotts should not show be, ven- be vanilla as hell. Just don't show him anything. Don't give him any real tape to look at for this first game. Just play vanilla. See what, you know, uh, Archie Goodwin can do. See what Briscoe can do. Give Pat his time. Give Layman his time. Play the rookies heavy minutes. Yeah. I mean, don't pray to God no one gets hurt and... Though that preseason game's done. Same but with the one against the Israeli team. Correct. Yeah. But for the, the season opener, on paper, Portland has to win this game. I, I don't think you can... It, obviously, it is stupid to call the first game of the year a must-win, and I'm not doing that. But if Portland loses, that would be, I think, a hit, a punch in the gut it would feel like more than just one loss. I mean, you talk about all summer long coming out with an urgency and coming off to a fast start, and you are playing a team that is not just the worst team in the Western Conference. They could arguably be the worst team in the entire NBA. Portland has to win this game, Sage. Mm. I think they have to get off to a fast start. They cannot let the Suns hang around. Obviously, it's opening night in Phoenix, so they're by this time they're not thinking about tanking quite yet. I mean, it won't be another three weeks until they start tanking. Damn, so it's, bro. It's going to be tough to win on any team's home court mm. on their home opener. But what does Portland have to do to quiet the crowd and walk away with you know the first victory of the year? But I, I, I just think we're so much more talented than this team is. But I, I think that C, CJ has to get busy against Devin Booker. I actually looked last night, and it looks like Devin Booker is like the fifth worst defensive shooting guard in the NBA according to like every defensive uh stat. So I would expect our guards to just dominate those unmotivated defenders and then just just out-talent them. That we are a better team, we have to prove it. And you made a very good you said a very good word there, motivated. Portland and it's just unfathomable we would even think about this they have to be motivated they have to have laser focus they have to go in there treating phoenix suns like you would treat the houston rockets like it's an elite team because teams are still talented and it takes 48 minutes um so along with coming with a laser focus i think they really need to get tyson chandler in the pick and roll get him away from the paint Mm -hmm. um work nurkic on that pick and roll and then 
also just attack them. Get him in foul trouble because when he is not in there, they do not have a single rim protector or rebounder that really makes you lose sleep at night. I I remember last year, our defense couldn't handle a Euless. Oh shit! Who is that power forward on that team? Marquise Chris? No, 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 no. Allen Williams? Yes. The the Euless Allen Williams pick and roll. We really have to focus on just stopping basic things. I know I said our defense wasn't good, but those two players shouldn't scare us. I, I think we have to jump out to a lead using CJ and Dame to attack their guards. Hopefully they put someone much smaller like an Eric Bledsoe on Mo Harkless, have him go to the post, take take him to the torture rack and get some easy points that way. And then obviously get Tyson out of the 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 paint and let our guards go to work. So with it being the first game of the year, I have quite a few keys keys to victory. First and foremost, you have to play defense without fouling. That mm-hmm. is the easiest way for an underdog to stay in the game is by getting to the foul line. And in the preseason, obviously the refs are calling things more tight and you've got a lot of inexperience on the court, different rotations playing together, but Portland has fouled quite a bit. They have to be able to keep Phoenix off the foul line, at least keep that, that even because you cannot let them keep the game close while the clock stays um, stagnant. Second, do not let Devin Booker have an historic night. He's already proven that he can put up 70 points in in an NBA game. Mm-hmm. He is the one player that can really be a catalyst for them if he gets hot, especially on opening night. Uh, we have to keep Eric Bledsoe from the paint. Um, he is a big physical guard who could get our bigs in foul trouble, and he he's, he's the type that can live at the line mm-hmm. if you're Phoenix. And then... Secondly, or excuse me, last but not least, bench points. We are we are the deeper team. They have a pretty terrible bench, and it's just T.J. Warren, right? It's just, and he started for that preseason game, so he might be in that starting lineup as their three. So yes, it's going to be bench points. We need at least twenty twenty five bench points if we're going to 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 get a good win. And frankly, we should get twenty five bench points. I don't think that's asking for for the moon. Mm. I, I just think we're out ta- we're gonna out talent them and prove why all of this start out fast like we're gonna prove that this is this is what we have to do and with this this first game so who's your x-factor hmm. i think cj mccollum or whoever devin booker's guarding but i think i assume it's cj because those two seem to really talk a lot of shit to one another. So I think CJ McCollum's gonna have another victim on that uh victim CJ's team. CJ's victim unit. Yeah, yes. I think I, I think that's that's what's gonna happen. I love it. My X Factor is actually the Phoenix Suns arena, the city of Phoenix itself. Portland all time is just thirty four and seventy six in the Valley of the Sun. It has always been a tough place for us to win, a tough place for us to play. We're three and five there over the last four years. And if you remember in that magical 2013, 2014 season where we won, I think 10 or 11 games straight um, made the second round of the playoffs, that season started off in Phoenix. It started off with an ass kicking too. We got bullied, beaten and bruised 
to the tune of a 104-91 loss. So it can happen. And Dame was on that roster. CJ was on that roster. Myers was on that roster. Terry was on that roster. He was coaching that team. They sh- they don't have to look any further than that tape and say, hey, remember that memory when we had that great year, but it started off just terribly? I remember watching that game in the Blazer Broadcasting Studio. Jerome Kersey was there, and we were Rest just like, what's going on? We could not believe what was happening. And so that's what happens if you don't come out to play. So, you know, my X factor is focus. You have to want to win the game. And I think Portland's going to get it done. I think they win by it's going to be closer than anybody thinks. I agree with that. It's the opening night. It's the the arena. It's just everything. The sun. This is going to be the game. The Suns play the hardest at their entire year. Mm-hmm. Portland, I think, probably wins by six or seven, and you should just feel comfortable with a win and move on. Yeah, I was I, I was going to say a little closer, like five, but I agree. It's going to be a close game. I mean, you want to get that dub for your home friends. The first, it's tough, but the first trap game of the year, Sage, Friday in Indiana against uh, – depleted pacer squad i mean it's hard to really even look at who they were last year versus who they are this year they lost so much of their identity uh jeff teague is gone paul george is gone and they're left with i think a third year player miles turner as now the kind of the the face of their franchise and it thankfully it's not their home opener so we we got that uh they they start out the season wednesday as well uh, against brooklyn and what's also interesting is they only played four preseason games. They're already done for the preseason, so they're getting getting a lot of rest. Any chance Portland falls victim to the trap here? I don't think so. I I I, I, was, I think they're hot. I think Indiana's heart garbage. I think they're going to be a bad team. But I there's professional basketball players on this team. I think Miles Turner's good. I think. Victor Oladipo is an average shooting guard. They they're not going to be the embarrassment that Brooklyn was last year, or you know the the Bulls will be this year. They they got some professional players, but I think it's been drilled in the Blazers' minds that fast start, fast start, fast start. If they lose this game, I'm feeling a little nervous. I I, I think they got to focus up and get that dub. I think with CJ Miles off this roster, you have to win the, the points in the paint. I mean, you can really pack the paint and dare them to beat you from the perimeter because is Darren the, Collison the best three point shooter? Because Victor, would say, I would still say maybe Bogdanovich. He's on the Kings. Bogdanovich is on the Pacers. Really? Is it the big one or the small one? Small forward. Oh, really? I thought he was on the Kings for some reason. Mm-mm. Oh, whatever. I'll take that out. But, <laughs> nah, but I, I I would pack the paint. Dare Miles Turner to hit a few threes in our face. So we got pack the paint. I think rebounding. Rebounding is going to be key. We have to limit bad teams to one, one opportunity. On the other hand, P- Portland should have no problem beating up Thad Young, Miles Turner, uh, Sabonis and TJ Leaf. Is those, isn't Al Jeff still on this team? And Al Jefferson, who could give a fuck about defense? <laughs> and rebounding. 
He, wants nah, he just wants his post moves. He wants his slow post moves. I think this might be the game we see Portland maybe play to their full potential. If they're of the three games, if there's a blowout, I think this one has the highest potential to do it. Um, if it was opening night, I would feel a little, a lot more different, but they're already going to have one game under their belts, just like Portland. And again, it's a game they cannot lose. You cannot lose to the Indiana Pacers. I mean, that that's again, it's not a must win, but it's a, damn near as close as you can in the western conference you're going to look back if portland is either not a home court advantage uh seed or they miss the playoffs completely you can go back to october and Mm -hmm. say did you take care of business against teams you should have if the answer is yes you're probably liking where you're sitting in april the answer is no you're probably waiting for those ping pong wells so with the pacers what's our finishing five i mean you got collison oladipo no what's our well what, who's their finishing five, and who do we play? Excuse me. I mean, I think their finishing five are their starters. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe Al Jefferson, depending on how busy he's getting, but I don't see any way where you cannot. I think Thad Young and Turner, Old Depot and Collison, those are four flat. Mm-hmm. Maybe they go small and put Corey Joseph on the floor as well, but uh, Bogdanovich spaces it. And then you've got Al Jefferson, who really clogs it. I don't think they're going to play Jefferson, Turner, and Young together. So I think two of those three are interchangeable. And I think Bogdanovich and um, Corey Joseph and Lance Stevenson. So Lance Stevenson can play as well. So it's tough to predict their finishing five, but I think it's going to be a combination of those seven or eight guys. And who do we play to? Do we just play our normal finishing five, the uh, Dame, CJ, Park, Minute? And then uh, Nurk. So you talked about your boy, Ed Davis. This is an Ed Davis game written all the fuck over it. Garbage points, Kobe assists, offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds, just making it happen, bringing energy to a Friday night in Indiana. So I think you've got the starting four with with Nurk, Moe, CJ, and Dame. I would go a guy, Ed Davis, right there. I don't think So versus, he'd be guarding Thad Young? Yes, I, I would dare Thad Young to beat me from from outside, and then I, my money is on Ed Davis getting those boards over Thad Young. And Thad Young's long. a good rebounding four, he's but I think bad, Ed Davis is better because he's, he's bigger. Longer. Yeah, he's yeah. bigger. I like that. I, I think that starting games is fine, but I think that we there needs to be a thing on basketball basketball reference where. How many times do you finish games? Because I think that's way more important than who starts. And well, I, I think I think that the blowout chance is pretty high, but uh, I, I'm going Blazers win maybe by like eight. I've got Blazers by fourteen. Damn. Um, what's your X factor in that game? We have to out rebound them. I think Thad Young. I think Miles Turner. They get busy from. Uh, they get busy on the defensive and offensive rebounds, especially. I think boxing out, gang rebounding, making sure we get the ball off those misses, which is going to happen with Lance Stevenson being the one of their primary ball handlers. So, rebounding. I'm going to go backcourt scoring. I think this is a game where we see Dame and CJ maybe combined for 60, and Collison and Oladipo maybe combined for 20. If it's in our favor that heavily, we are going to see the blowout. I just don't see any 
way that their backcourt has the firepower to match what, what we can offer um, in those two amazing guards. Mm-hmm. The last game of the week is a back-to-back, the first of the season against what I think has been an up-and-coming team now for the last two or three seasons. We're still waiting to see if the Milwaukee Bucks can put it together. Toughest game of the three, I think, yeah, hands absolutely. down. Do you think they're a home court team for in the playoffs in the East? Ooh, I mean, obviously you've got Boston and you've got Cleveland, Toronto, Washington. No, really, they're five or six. That's still pretty damn good. I think the biggest thing is is who's guarding ABC? Who's guarding the Greek Freak? Is it a mix of Mo Harkless and Aminu? Because I don't see anyone else on the team that has the length or the speed to keep up with them. All I know is we better put somebody taller on Chris Middleton because last last year in Portland, they just isolated him and posted him up. I think it was over Evan Turner maybe. Yeah, I um, remember him just dominating. In- got busy on us, and um, that was disheartening. And Terry just did not. He refused to make an adjustment, and that's how they won the game. I think uh, Greek Freak did that as well. Um, we need to put somebody bigger on him than 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 Aminu. I think with 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 the freak, maybe you look at a guy like well, Von Lay is not going to be playing, so he cannot do it. But because you can't tough. put Ed Davis or anything like that on him because he's just no. full blow by him. Maybe Zach Collins for a few minutes, but maybe I, I think you just play off him so you dare him to shoot. Yeah, I mean. I He's think, so long that if he gets anywhere near the rim, it's going up. Mm-hmm. And Parker's out, so it's probably the Greek freak playing the four, maybe? Whew. So their offense is really versatile. They provide a lot of unique weapons at the forward position, a lot of length, not a lot of beef mm. Sands Monroe. This is a game where Portland is going to have to rely on their backcourt. I mean, we're looking at a, a second night of a back-to-back. The, the depth is going to have to play a huge part as well. Guys like Anthony Morrow, um, guys like Caleb Swanigan, guys maybe like Pat Connaughton or Shabazz Napier that don't see ton of minutes in regular games, they're going to get extended action. Can they take advantage of that? Because I do like our bench better than theirs. I know Monroe puts up. Pretty good numbers against us. DJ Wilson is an intriguing rookie who is that, you know, he's essentially, I think, uh, a Kyle Kuzma type of player just out east who a lot of people haven't seen yet. Um, Jason Terry feels like he's 40 or 45. And then you've got Gerald Green and Brandon Rush who Mm -hmm. at times have killed us in the past. So hopefully that doesn't come to fruition again. But this is easy, easily the toughest game for me to predict. Yeah, I mean, and you... Malcolm Brogdon was a, like the rookie of the year. Chris Middleton can hit. I think it's it's a lot about letting the Greek freak get his, but limiting Brogdon, Moose, and Chris Middleton. Because Greek freak can't beat us alone. But his friends come out and produce a lot, that's when they get scary. That's when they're the fourth or fifth seed in the East. If we let Giannis get his, but limit all of them else, I, I feel better about it. But if Middleton starts shooting, posts 
awesome. Starts posting up uh, our smaller guards. Brogdon gets his threes off, his lands. Or, or Moose decides this is one of the games he's going to dominate. That gets scary. And by Freak getting his points, I don't want him getting up to that 10 assist mark. No, 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 no. That is key. Keeping him under, like, eight eight assists. He cannot be on triple. <laughs> Which is a lot. <laughs> the eight he cannot a lot. be on triple-double watch for Portland to have a chance. Sage, you've watched a lot of Bucks basketball. How do teams beat this team? What is the recipe for success? I mean, I think it's... I, I think it's limiting everybody else, man. Like, no, None of those scare me. None of those other players scare me, but... If they get going, and then it's just all of them producing at the same time, it's it's tough to beat, man. So my X factor is Yusuf Nurkic. They have no one on this roster who could really fuck with the big man. No. Um, Greg Monroe does not want to play defense. I mean, I pray they try to put John Henson on him. Portland need if they go John Henson on Nurkic. The ball better touch his hands every single time down the court. Everything should go through Nurk. You get it to Nurk, let him go to work. If they want to double, that man's either open for the three or they're cutting to the basket. And it's just that beautiful ball movement we saw um, against the Kings in the fourth quarter uh, that we've seen against the Clippers um, and the Raptors. That needs to be happening. So I want to see Nurkic getting a lot of touches. And I want to see Portland have a lot of assists. I think this is a game where you, you don't go one-on-one unless it's in the post. You share the ball, and if Portland is, is winging it around the perimeter, there's a lot of ball movement, player movement. If Portland wins the assist battle and the points in the paint, I think they, they start the season off 3-0. I like the Nur- giving it to Nurk because it gets Hanson into trouble. It would make it force Moose to actually have to play defense, and then it gets them into penalties. And if we can get teams into the penalty with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, that's just butter because Damon CJ can draw fouls, and we'd be living on the line, which would be awesome. Easy and points. I th- think it's important that when Freak is on the floor, Portland has four to five shooters out there with him. To, to make so what I'm saying is he cannot play center field mm. on defense because Mango. he's so long mm-hmm. that he is going to disrupt the passing lanes. He's going to be able to double team quicker. He's going to be able to just really disrupt all of our offensive flow. But if we've got four or five weapons on the floor at the same time that can shoot, you have to keep him honest. And mm. maybe you you just get him as far away from from the ball side as possible just to really negate his overall defensive prowess. What's man. your prediction? Man, that's a tough one, man. I think we start 2-1. and one. I think they might get us. Greek Freak... I mean, Giannis is just such a... I don't know. Like, he, There's only one Giannis in the NBA. And there's not that much film about this team. I, I, I'm nervous about this one. I, I say we start the season 2-1. and one. Portland's going to win this game. They're going to start 3-0. Milwaukee has a gauntlet to start the season. They've got an opener in Boston against the New York Celtics. Their home opener is Friday against the Cavaliers. They are also going to be on a back-to-back against the Blazers. 
they are going to be emotionally let down, whether they win or whether they lose, coming off of those two games. Portland is going to be kind of ramping up. I think that's going to play a big factor, and I know everyone falls in love with, with the freak. He's an amazing player, but push comes to shove. Damian Lillard is still the best player on the floor, especially when it comes to leadership and intangibles. He is going to get real busy against this Buck defense, especially if they decide to double Nurk. I think he finds a way. This could be Lillard game winner type of stuff. I think it's going to be close. It's going to be back and forth. But uh, you're going to want to be, you know, in your living room or at the bar on a Saturday night watching this game because it's going to be entertaining as shit. But I'm already calling it. It might be Lillard time in Milwaukee come the 21st. I can't watch Blazer games with people anymore, Doug. I just can't. Like, I, I was in Seattle a few weeks ago during that Arizona-Oregon game, and I just, like, fuck all these people. I just want to watch the game. Leave me alone. Oh, man. I sound old now, huh? But, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I'm so happy that basketball is back. I mean, it's been a long summer. A lot of just not watching sports and like this is the this is the this is what we've been looking forward to man thank you my friend yeah i can't wait uh two more preseasons two more preseason games to go before it all starts to count next wednesday we will be coming with the podcast goodness every monday tuesday night throughout the season send your questions in uh bringing you guests on you know as as much as we can uh we love doing this for you guys and if you have any suggestions throughout the course of the year, you know, send them our way. We, you can find us on social at Holy Backboard on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, uh, please give us that five-star rating on iTunes. You know, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a little message in the comments. Um, you can find that at Holy Backboard PDX. We are also on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Sage, any final thoughts, my friend? Uh, I, I got to plug one of my homies. Uh, it, I, I'm developing a show with one of my homies from Atlanta called The Chill Factor, which is a video game, uh, playing pod, uh, like video game culture podcast. And they just hosted a tournament in Atlanta, and I'm really proud of how well they did with all of that stuff. So, shout out to everybody in the ATL. Um, other than that, uh, I'm ready for basketball, man. I think that's a beautiful way to end the show. Let's go, Blazers. Three and O. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!